0: Hello, today is Sunday, April the 12th, 2020, Easter Sunday, and I'd like to begin by reading to you the Easter story as recorded in Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 10. Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the women, Don't be afraid, he said. I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He's risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. Come, see where his body was lying. And now go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead and he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I have told you. The women ran quickly from the tomb. They were very frightened, but also filled with great joy, and they rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. And as they went, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they ran to him, grasped his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee and they will see me there. Most of you listening this morning have probably heard the Easter story before. We all probably understand what the story says. The question is... What does it mean? What does the Easter story mean for you? What difference does it make? This is important because the Easter story isn't just a nice story. It isn't just a good story or a heartwarming story or an interesting story. The story of God is the most important story. The Bible is the most important book ever written. Jesus is the most important character in the Bible, and Easter is the most important event in the Bible. Easter is a necessary story. It's a critical story. It's an essential story. This is the story we can't live without. The question is, what does it mean? And what difference does it make? As we think about that today, I'd like to tell you a story. This is the story of the two boats. You've probably heard the first part of the story before, the story of the first boat, but chances are you may not have ever heard the story of the second boat. And if you haven't heard about the second boat, I'd say you haven't really heard the whole story. It's when we put both parts of the story together that we get a better understanding of what Easter is all about. You may not think this is an Easter story, but it actually is. Like the Easter story, the story of the two boats is a true story. It took place a little over a hundred years ago. The maiden voyage of the first boat began on April 10, 1908, from Southampton, England. The name of the first boat was the RMS Titanic. This colossal ship was the marvel of modern engineering. At 882 feet long, she was the largest ocean liner ever built. The docks were packed with people who had come to watch this miracle set out to sea. The British press proclaimed that the impossible had been done. They had built an unsinkable ship. It was the pinnacle of Darwinian evolution. The captain of the ship boasted, even God himself cannot sink the Titanic. I bet the passengers wished he had never said that. Just 48 hours later, everything changed when the Titanic grazed the side of an iceberg. It was so slight that most of the passengers hardly felt it and yet it tore a 300-foot-long gash in the side of the boat. That's about as long as a football field. In less than three hours, the unsinkable Titanic sank 400 miles off the coast of Newfoundland, taking 1,500 people down to a watery grave. It was a voyage doomed by pride. The Titanic exuded the class system of the early 20th century. On its luxurious top deck were opulent staterooms reserved for society's elites like the Vanderbilts, the Astors, and the Goulds. Below them were the second-class decks for the more moderately well-off. In the bottom of the ship were third-class decks crammed with poor immigrants and the ship's workers. The White Star Line was so paranoid about keeping the social classes separate that the doors between the decks were locked and chained. As a result, hundreds of passengers were trapped below. Hundreds more died needlessly because the shipbuilders didn't think they needed to provide enough lifeboats for every passenger on board. The Titanic only had 20 lifeboats. Each lifeboat could hold 65 people, so 1,300 people could have been saved off the boat, but only 725 were. Not all the passengers were convinced they needed to get into a lifeboat. Imagine living in a world where people had to be convinced to act differently, or they would die. There were about 2,225 passengers and crew on board the ship, and about 1,500 people died. Two-thirds perished because the ship wasn't outfitted properly. Imagine living in a world where two-thirds of our population dies because we don't have enough supplies to save everyone who needs them. Some researchers believe that the Titanic did not send its first distress signal until 45 minutes after it had hit the iceberg. It raises the question, could more people have been saved if the ship's leaders had responded sooner? Whenever tragedy strikes a society, there's usually a moment of shock or denial where we don't want to believe this is actually happening to us. If we waste time, if we respond to the crisis too slowly, it can cost people their lives. When news of the tragedy reached England, frantic relatives rushed to the Liverpool offices of the White Star Line to discover if their loved ones had survived or not. Outside the office was a single wooden board. On it were listed two columns of names. At the top of one was the word saved. At the top of the other was the word lost. No one was listed by status or wealth. The Astors, the Vanderbilts, and the Goulds were listed among immigrants, waiters, and maids. The temperature of those northern Atlantic Ocean waters was about 28 degrees sudden immersion into freezing waters typically causes death within minutes, either from cardiac arrest or hypothermia. Even sitting in the lifeboats would have been unbearably cold. So have you ever wondered how the people in the lifeboats were saved? They didn't just float their way to New York City. That would have taken way too long. The story of their rescue is the story of the second boat, the RMS Carpathia. The Carpathia sailed out of New York City on April 11th, one day after the Titanic had left England. About 10 minutes after midnight on April 15th, the wireless operator on the Carpathia received a distress signal from the Titanic, stating that they had struck ice and were in need of assistance. He woke the ship's captain from his sleep, who immediately ordered that the ship be turned around. The Carpathia was 67 miles away, and it took them three and a half hours to get there. They radioed a message to the Titanic, saying they were coming as quickly as possible and would be there within four hours. At 2.45 a.m., they reached the edge of the ice field. For the next hour or so, they had to dodge icebergs as they continued through the water. After knowing that the Titanic was sinking because it had hit an iceberg, I wonder what it was like for the captain of the Carpathia to intentionally sail through a field of icebergs. The Carpathia arrived at the distress position at 4 a.m., about an hour and a half after the Titanic had gone under. For the next four and a half hours, the crew of the Carpathia rescued the 725 passengers from their lifeboats. Survivors were given blankets and coffee and escorted into the dining room. They continued to scour the sea for other survivors until 9 a.m. They decided to turn back and take the survivors to New York. Slowed by storms, they finally pulled into the New York Harbor on April 18th. The captain of the Carpathia, Captain Rostron, was awarded the Congressional Medal of Honor by President William Howard Taft. All of the crew members were awarded bronze medals, and all of the officers were awarded silver medals. Three years later, On July 17, 1918, the Carpathia was torpedoed by the Germans during World War I, and it sank into the ocean. The message of Easter is that our world is like the Titanic. We have hit an iceberg, and we are sinking. We are going under, and we cannot save ourselves. We have received a fatal blow, and none of us has the power to save our world. Like some of the people on the Titanic, some today are in denial. They don't think our ship is sinking. They think we are going to be okay. They are pretending everything is fine, but it's not. The message of Easter is that individually, we are all like the Titanic. We have each suffered irreparable harm to our lives. We have not been able to avoid the icebergs in our world. We have each suffered a fatal blow and we are all going under. Some of us don't want to admit we can't save ourselves. We keep working as hard as we can to fix the hole in our hull, but it will never be enough. It will always fall short. We need to be saved. The message of Easter is that God has sent a boat to rescue us. Jesus is the Son of God, and he's like the captain of the Carpathia. When our world started going down and when we started going under, Jesus made the decision to come and rescue us. Jesus is like the lifesaver thrown to us in icy waters. If we grab a hold of him, we will live. If we grab a hold of Jesus, we will get pulled back to the safety of the ship. Jesus will take our place in the frigid waters and he will die in our place. But then on Easter Sunday morning, he overcame death, conquered the grave, and gave us the opportunity to experience a new life. If you let Jesus save you, He doesn't put you on a cruise ship where the staff are at your beck and call to meet your every need. He puts you on the Carpathia and makes you a part of the rescue crew. This is the mission of God, to keep going after people who are dying. This is the mission of our church, to help people who are drowning. We are on a rescue mission Every day, people around us are struggling to keep their heads above water. Every day, people are feeling overwhelmed by the problems of life. People are barely treading water, trying to survive. People feel like they are going under. People are trying to make it without a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. They won't. Jesus is God's offer to you to let him save you. If you will let Jesus rescue you from the icy waters, he will then invite you to join our rescue mission. Our mission is to be like the Carpathian. Help us let people know that Jesus can save their lives. That's what Easter is all about. So Easter asks us two questions. Are you on the Titanic, or are you on the Carpathia? Jesus is the only one who can rescue you. Will you let him save you from drowning? If you have never asked him to do that before, you can do that now. If you say yes, the question then is, will you come aboard the Carpathia? Will you let Jesus warm you up, give you a new set of dry clothes, and join his rescue mission? Will you help us offer hope to people before they go under? The message of Easter is that God has come to rescue every one of us. All of us are drowning. None of us can save ourselves, but all of us can be saved. If we accept the life preserver Jesus throws us, we can be saved. If we do that, our lives have purpose, to join the mission of the Carpathia and rescue others before it's too late. When people rushed to the Liverpool offices of the White Star Line to learn the fates of their loved one, only one thing mattered. Which list was their name on? The SS Earth is like an ocean liner plowing through the cosmic seas. We've hit the iceberg. We are going under. Are you lost or are you saved? Are you on the Titanic or are you on the Carpathia? The good news of Easter is you don't have to drown. Jesus died in your place. He is the life preserver God has thrown to you to rescue you from your grave. All you have to do is reach out and grab him. And Jesus will pull you to safety. If you do that, Jesus will trade places with you, and die in the ocean in your place. But a few days later, he came back to life. Oh, Jesus can save you. He can give you hope. He can change your life. If you want Jesus to save you, I invite you to pray with me now. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for being our creator, for giving us our physical life. But God, we've made a mess of our lives. We've got a big gash in us, just like the Titanic, and we are going down and there's nothing we can do to save ourselves. Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God, and I admit that I'm lost without you. I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me, to come into my life and rescue me and pull me aboard your ship. Change my life. Change everything about me that needs to change. And let me be a part of your rescue team so that I might be able to help others before they go under. And we pray these things in your name. Amen. Thanks for joining us on our podcast today. We hope to see you again uh, next week. God bless. Stay safe. See you soon.